Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Now he's starting to bring out the fact that, no, there's also external battles that are coming, coming against the church and against the message of the gospel. Yes, there will be that one Antichrist who will come. He will be known as the Antichrist. But John says that already there are many, even back in the first century, that were in league with the Antichrist. And even today, they live their lives against Christ in every possible way, even to the point of working at twisting the gospel, confusing the saints, declaring lies, and proclaiming it all to be truth. In these last days, John warns those against Christ will be among the church attempting to lead believers astray. These antichrists will twist the gospel truth, confuse believers, and proclaim lies in the place of truth. They will often come with religious rapping, further deceiving men who will be confused and tempted to believe anything. Today, Pastor David will challenge you to be a student of the Word of God, so you will not be led astray. There is no new truth. If what you hear doesn't line up with God's Word, it's a lie. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 2 as he continues his message, Abiding in Christ. Now, from both of those areas, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, there comes that, that, that third warning against the pride of life, the pride of life. Now, there's a lot of directions that this could go, but primarily it deals with the idea of personal or vain glory, my own personal glory. I'm just, man, I'm the, I'm the best thing God ever brought about, you know, and after God built me, he destroyed the mold, you know, ain't nobody like me, and some of you say amen, hallelujah, there is not, Uh, but it's it's that idea, that inner focus, that, that continual, continual, continual inner focus, mentally placing yourself in a superior place, this superior status of some sort, either because of your giftedness, and yeah, even spiritual giftedness. We can have pride in that. And you don't think that there's not a successful pastor around that doesn't deal with pride? And I, yeah, I'm successful. You got a congregation of 300 or you got a congregation of 200. Hey, man, look what I've done. Well, that's the quickest way to lose it all. Okay, let's see what you can do, God says. And there, there it goes. Giftedness and even spiritual giftedness, putting ourselves in that place, uh, lifting ourselves up because of our other kinds of abilities or even our possessions or even our appearance. But what about pride of nationality? What about pride of ethnicity? 
You see, our pride can cut into a variety of different directions. And it takes away the humility that we are called to have because of Christ and before each other. Pride has no place in the life of a Christian. That's why Jesus, on the very night he was betrayed, I mean, he could have done this lesson any time in the three and a half years with the disciples. Read the Gospels and you see he showed servanthood to the disciples. But on the very night that he was betrayed, he, the master, got down and washed the stinking feet of those disciples. Demonstrating to them the reality that, you know, if, if I, the master, can wash your feet, I want you to be to each other within the body of Christ. Pride should not exist, should not exist. John Peter Lang tells us in classical Greek, this pride of life signified arrogance and vaunting with a secondary idea of, catch this, untruthfulness. Because let's face it, if we start getting into pride, suddenly we start boosting ourselves a whole lot more than, than what we are, you know? So untruthfulness starts moving in. And then he says, it's, it's a boasting about one's rank or, or even one's wealth. He goes on to say, in James, in the book of James, it evidently denotes the outbreaks of that arrogance, which overlooks the vanity and the nothingness of earthly happiness. What he's saying there is we move into pride because suddenly it makes us feel really good. And that, how empty that is. How empty that vanity has. How, how absolutely nothing. That's like building you know, a, a platform on cotton candy. You know? It's just not going to stand. It's, it's like building that house on sand. There, there's just no foundation on there because we're building it out of our own pride, out of our own boasting. He said again, uh, the braggart, some may smile at, but the haughty man can become injurious. Another commentator believes that maybe John had in mind when he speaks of the pride of life about the hollow arrogance that presumes that it can decide and direct their course of life without God. I don't need God in my life. I'm talented in this area, and I'm, I've got these kinds of possessions, and I've got this kind of stuff available. I don't need God in my life. How quickly those things can disappear. Some of you can testify to that fact, how quickly things of this life, the things that we sometimes feel, man, that's what I'm standing on. That's, that's my foundation is my abilities here. This is my foundation, my, 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 my wealth or whatever it might be. And so, boom, how quickly those things can be taken from us. Pride declares that it can determine what it'll do, what it'll gain, what it'll achieve, achieve where it will go and what it will enjoy. And yet God, through it all, just says, shakes his hand, and I believe, sometimes I believe he, he laughs at our foolishness. And you know what? Sometimes I think that there's a tear in God's eyes because we rob the very 
opportunities that God wants to work in and through our lives because we've allowed these other things to come in. Pride is never conducive to and is actually set against the humility that's called for by the believer. The humility where we ought to be considering others above ourselves. And in all of these things, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, in all of these things, what we are craving for in the flesh, the lust, lusting for with our eyes, trying to maintain with our pride. But the fact is, is all of those things will burn. Every one of those things. The things that we lust for in the flesh, it's going to burn. Things that we lust for it with the eye, it's going to burn. The things that we take pride for in life, it's all going to burn. In the very end, those things that are done for the kingdom is what's going to last. Every one of these issues deal with something that is worldly, something that's temporary, and that's why John once again reminds him in verse 17 that the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Church, who is he writing to? Believers, to us. I like the ones that said us. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's better to say, oh, he's writing to those believers over there. No, he's writing to us, every one of us. Do you want to do the will of God in your life? You can only completely do that by A, curbing your appetite for the things of this world and choosing to walk away by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Curbing your appetite and choosing to walk away by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's number one. Number two, agreeing with Job to set binders on your eyes. Not just because of sexual sin, but in every area that's contrary to the will and the plan of God in your life. But you know what? If if I'm not careful... Suddenly that becomes a focus of my life. Suddenly, you know, oh, what can I do to get that? What can I do to gain? But I guarantee you, you probably got some areas in your life. You need to put blinders on also. Thirdly, recognizing that all that we have is from our Father in heaven. And the Lord truly does give and take away. We should never carry with us any amount of sinful pride. Man, this moment we recognize that we need to lay that, we need to lay that down. We need to lay that down. We need to walk in humility. Whatever status we are in life, whatever position we are in life, whatever wealth we have, whatever education we have, whatever position we have, Man, we just got to lay that junk down because pride, guys, what does the word say? Pride comes before what? The fall. The fall. Because suddenly I'm no longer focused on God. I'm focused on me. And you know what? When I'm focused on me, I'm very nearsighted. I am so stinking nearsighted. I trip over everything. When I'm focused on me, the smallest little sin can stumble me up. But you know what? When I'm focused on him, then man, I, I can 
leap over walls. I can go over barriers. Man, he brings me through the mountains when I'm focused on him. But when I'm focused on me, I'm fallen all the time. Along with the words of John, I also want you to read, in fact, turn to the left with me, back to the book of James real quick, James chapter 1. James really brings it. He and and John are like right together with it. On James chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, James writes, But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. That's that lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, we're being drawn away. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, it brings forth death. By the way, who do you think James is writing to here, church? That same two-letter word, us. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Real quickly, flip back over to 1 John. Verse 17, John said that the world is passing away. He picks it up more in uh, verse 18. Uh, Little children, this is the last hour. And as, as, as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. It's interesting, whenever I read these and the writers in our New Testament speak about in these last days or in this last hour, I think, man, they were like 2,000 years ago. And they, they were serious when they were saying, this is the last hours. These are the last days. And I don't think that they were wrong. I think we're just in the last of the last days. We're like 2,000 years later on. And so I think we need to have that same kind of an attitude that these are the last days. And it's easy. It's so stinking easy to get caught up in the things of this world. If man didn't have to worry, both saved man and lost man, if man didn't have to worry about uh, lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh, guess what? It would put commercials out of business, yeah? You know, but, but they make everything look so attractive, you know, and draws us in. You know, it gets our attention for stuff that's not even what they're advertising. You watch a commercial and say, man, that was absolutely gorgeous. What was it about? I don't know. There was a Lexus that drove through in the middle of the thing. Maybe that's what it was about, It draws our attention. So easy to get caught up. And that's why the church is warned about our flesh, about our eyes, about our pride. All of these things tie us down to the temporary rather than getting us focused on the eternal. But John's warning isn't just about how we live and deal with these internal battles. Now he's starting to bring out the fact that, no, there's also external battles that are coming, coming against the church and against the message of the gospel. Yes, there will be that one Antichrist who will come. He will be known as the Antichrist. But John says that already there are many, even back in the first century, 
that were in league with the Antichrist. And even today, they live their lives against Christ in every possible way, even to the point of working at twisting the gospel, confusing the saints, declaring lies, and proclaiming it all to be truth. Proclaiming it all to be truth. And sometimes with religious wrappings. Sad, sad reality is today, even in the church, there is so much deception that's going on, even within the, again, behind the shingle of whatever church that that, the name might be, the deception that goes. Even Paul tells us that in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away that men are going to be led by the, the tickling of their ears to believe something different. And man, I, you, you see that so much in the world today. So many false teachers, false prophets. Some of those John is speaking of, he says, these guys actually, they came out from inside the church. They were inside the church. And as we read, he said they weren't really of us, but they were with us. They had all the religious trappings. They went out from us, but John says, but they were not of us. The fact is, is they were, they were teaching Sunday school classes. They were, they were on church boards. They were maybe standing at pulpits. They were busily active within the churches. They spoke Christianese really smoothly, and they looked really good on the outside. That's why they were so dangerous, because suddenly, rather because of their natural talents and abilities or whatever, they were raised up in positions of the church to where people looked at them as leaders. And so suddenly, because they were leaders, they had the ears of the people, and the people started listening to them. And if they did not have discernment, if they weren't students of the word of God, then they were easily led astray. That's why there are so many within Mormonism today that at one point in time claimed that they were Christians. And I don't, I don't care what denomination. I know that there's a big statistic on one denomination that, that has really gone in, but uh, again, I don't care what denomination is. I, I don't care what church you go to. You call yourself a Christian. If you're not a student of your word, you can and will be led astray because there's a lot of smooth talkers out there. They are deceitful and they are being directed by Satan himself, by the enemy himself, to bring twisting lies, deceiving, if at all possible, even the elect. And yeah, I want to go back to that point where they grew up within the church. They, they moved up in leadership and they went out and began teaching. But John says, yeah, well, they went out from us. But they weren't of us, because if they really were of us, in other words, if they were really true believers, that wouldn't have happened. But they came in and they schmoozed everybody. And or here's an even worse thing. They didn't try to schmooze anybody. They thought that they were believers. Because after all, I go to church a lot. After all, I've memorized that verse that pastor said I needed to memorize. I've served in Sunday school. But you know what? I believe that God has revealed to me a new truth. And so these that even believe that they are believers, 
suddenly believe a lie themselves, and then they begin to propagate that lie with the hope of making your life better because I found this new truth. And I want to make your life better and share with you this new truth. But yet, if you were to take the word of God and lay it beside that new truth, say, that's no new truth, that's a lie. Because it doesn't line up with the word of God. And beloved, there is no new gospel. There is no new truth. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's a lie, it's a deceit from hell itself, and it will cause destruction, and it will cause... It'll either keep someone from coming to a saving faith of Christ or it'll take somebody who is a believer and take them so far away from the truth that they begin walking in darkness and there's no real fellowship anymore with God. Was he still their father? Well, we could go on that discussion and take quite a while. But one thing I do know, you go far enough away from the truth, you're not going to hear that still small voice of the Spirit saying, this is the way, walk you in it. Because you're believing, you're trusting a lie. And guys, the only way that can guard you, yes, the Holy Spirit gives us spirit of discernment. So we pray for that continually. But also by knowing the word of God. Some people say, well, I don't, I don't even pay attention to, you know, to the Old Testament. I'm pretty much a, a New Testament kind of guy. Well, you know what? You're only getting a small portion because it's the foundation of what we believe in the New Testament is found in the Old Testament. The foundation was laid through, through those books of the Old Testament that God said, this is, this is who I am. This is who Israel is. This is the direction. This is the purpose that I'm building. And I'm bringing all of that in order to show you my Messiah, my Redeemer, and that through him now, with the understanding that you have here, through Christ, now you can live those things that they're speaking of in the balance of the New Testament. It's all important. All of it. These false converts, these false disciples, these false teachers, undoubtedly they looked, they felt like they were religious, but there was never a true experience with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There was never a conversion in their lives. There was never a heartfelt confession of sin and a cry for forgiveness. There was never a bringing of their lives to the very spirit of Jesus. Because John said they came out from us, but they weren't part of us. But the problem is, as I look at that and I say, there's people that are sitting in the church, maybe even tonight. You've never had a true conversion in your life. Maybe you've never come to that point of a heartfelt confession of your sin and a cry out to God for his forgiveness. Maybe you've never come to that point in your own personal life of bringing your life to the very spirit of Jesus and saying, I am yours. The old song, the old hymn, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him and in his presence daily live. Would you like to listen again to today's message? 
You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David in The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss the latest edition of the program. Right now, let's check back in with Pastor David for an invitation. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. And as you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and the love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. The teachings you've been listening to here were originally messages I shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Do you happen to live in this area? If so, please come join me this weekend for a time of worship, prayer, reading the Bible, and just getting to know one another through fellowship. You'd be able to find all the information you need, the service times and directions too, at our website, theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel Casa Grande link at the bottom of the page. See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close to ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word as well. Would you pray for us? We know the enemy isn't happy about the truth of the gospel being spread, and he's going to do all he can to stop us. Please pray for all of us here that we'd keep our eyes only on Jesus all the time. Would you also join us in praying for the listeners of The Open Word? Pray that hearts would be open to the gospel and that lives would change. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Make us more.